Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. A run, 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 a runaway. That's what's happening on our graphs here, folks. Welcome. My name is Leister if you're new. Thank you for joining here today, and thank you for coming back if you're not uh, new and you have followed us for a while. We're hitting the ground running here today. We have a lot to cover, and I need to put it into some organized fashion, make sure that I don't miss anything. We've got a lot going on, so try to keep up if you can. I'll go, I'm not going to speak fast this time. I'm going to speak somewhat slower. I don't want to miss anything. These are key points here first. The graph, as I said, there's a runaway happening with the graph and a couple of things behind this. Looking at the chart, we zoom out to the month chart and we see about an equal amount of green and red. We previously saw more red than green headed downward. And then just this morning, we went up. We went up quite a bit. It says 4%, but you got to put in perspective here. We were down to like $1,700 and now we spiked up as high as 1825. That's actually a really good run for what it is considering where we were at. Bitcoin then went from 25 all the way up to almost 29. uh, Yeah. 29 grand. Now here's the thing, a couple of things with Bitcoin specifically, there's a lot of short squeeze happening. There was a lot of shorting of various cryptocurrencies and People were squeezing these guys, and there was a lot of liquidations that occurred, and we had a significant spike. The estimation is that if we can get over the 29,000 mark and possibly get to 30K, there may be a run up. It's hard to say because looking at the graph itself gives me the inclination to think that we're it's a temporary pump, and if you're in Bitcoin and you're in, say, the 25,000 mark, this is a key profit opportunity Now, it's up to you what you do with your money. I can't tell you what to do, but it's a key profit opportunity because if it goes back down, you know, you might be a long play person. So if you are good, but if you're not and you're looking for that opportunity, I mean, 
it went up, you know, three grand. That's not bad. That's almost a 10% increase. So depending on what your position was, how much you had in there, specifically Bitcoin, you might be able to make a tidy profit off of it. And then if I'm right, based on the graph anyway, and it does go back down, then you would have insulated yourself from that drop, take the profits, and then possibly reinvest at a lower price point or reinvest in some of the other cryptos that are out there. Either way, whether you're a long play or you are going to take the profits and buy back in or not at all or do nothing, no matter what, it's still good to see somewhat of a run and interesting to see what happened here. Always good to see that things are going in the positive direction, even if they don't really last. But there was a lot of liquidations recently, about 37 million close, 37 million of liquidations, which is good. And I, again, I my theory is that it's going to go back down after this kind of wears off and we get some people that are going to sell for profits because they are supposed to do that. So hopefully I'm wrong. I mean, hopefully it, it does uh, go on the run as expected. Separately from this then, we're seeing more of these financial institutions, and I'm going to be talking about one of these uh, situations here on the tail end of the episode, but we're seeing more financial institutions getting into cryptocurrencies. This is the preface, people believe, to the CBDCs coming, where the banks are being pressured to create their own cryptocurrencies. And so this is the theory that this is happening up front. So what's happened is there's two parts. One, Money is coming from the financial institutions into crypto exchanges. So they're actively showing at least financial support. You knew that some of these banks were so-called, quote, crypto friendly. But on the other half, you had some banks who were completely anti-crypto and were not supporting it. That sentiment has shifted. And now we're seeing them kind of help get in with financial backing. But we also are seeing some of these financial institutions getting involved themselves, even if it's to a lesser degree or just the paperwork, you know, with the legality of it all. Any involvement is good involvement because it means that they're no longer ignoring it or what it means for the future. I don't know where it goes, but it's always good to see that there's at least some recognition that there is something to this cryptocurrency thing. Now time will have to tell and pass and see where do we go from here with the financial institutions? Are they playing ball or is it the game, like I said, where they're just trying to prepare for the CBDCs and say, and get ahead of it. And it's all kind of a fake out. That's kind of the open question there. So short term, I still think that we're down, but we have an opportunity for profits and the more financial institutions get into or get involved with cryptocurrency, I think the more sentiment goes positive. Time will tell. I just still think that we've lost a lot of momentum, as I've said before. So while there are profit opportunities, I don't see the strong run that others may see for, again, the same reasons. I simply think that sentiment is still down with everything that's going on, especially with the SEC. And time, still more time has to pass. Once we get to this point where we understand what's going to happen with the legality situation, the lawsuits that are out there, the Coinbase situation, then we'll really know if the rubber is going to meet the road or if it's all a big nothing burger and we should be ignoring all this and what it is behind that. A couple of one-sentence updates I'll pass here because I don't want to spend too much time on these, but I think they're good in case you want to go and do some research. 
around these specific topics for your own because they may be of interest to you, especially if you have investments related. So recently, Do Kwan got sent to jail for a fake passport, so they couldn't get him on anything with the whole uh, Luna business, but they got him on a fake <laughs> fake passport, so that's, that's spinning around right now. The other one that I thought was interesting was MevBots. So there's an organization, and it's called FlashBots, and this organization, there was a co-founder of it, came out recently and was talking about MevBots. MevBots are bots that run, and they will so-called front-run transactions to drain liquidity. So the way this works to simplify it, oversimplify it, and I'm stress, I'm extremely oversimplifying it. Let's say you want to buy some token, and it's on the Ethereum chain. You know that interface, you're using a screen of some kind, usually Uniswap, and it's showing you a price. That price is basically the fair market price as it currently is believed to be for what the Uniswap interface thinks it is, assuming all the different transactions that have happened. When a bot is implemented, the bot isn't using the interface. The bot is executing directly with the contract, which means it's going to be faster than you. So what these bots will do is they'll detect your transaction. They'll see that you're about to do a buy transaction for X price. And what they'll do is they will get their transaction in before yours. And what it ends up doing is draining liquidity to where essentially you're, I don't want to see you getting ripped off. That's not really fair, but the contract is being somewhat harmed when these happen. And so many of these contract builders, they'll implement different methods and functions to try to cut off, detect, block MevBots because they don't want that folk arbitrage where transactions are being harmed, the contract, from liquidity drains, these bots. So this co-founder comes out and he says, this is a very dangerous thing that we talk about here where they're manipulating the transaction sequences so that they can capitalize on the trades and a lot of liquidity is being drained off. So even if you're not really scamming or you're not stealing, you can just spin up a bot and drain many different projects liquidity. And this is big business. There are a lot of technically, technologically sound people out there who run these bots all the time. The most notable is this Jared from some subway.eth who's all over the place. So I wanted to point that one out in case you want to look it up. Flashbots is the name of the service. Uh, the co-founder's name who's leaving the service, Alex Obadia. So check into that. I think it's an interesting read and everything that he's talking about with this business. Now let's talk about my tail end topic. This is, it's crypto related, but it's not directly crypto, but it is crypto related, which is why I thought to raise it here because I thought it was worth talking about. There are multiple ways to be at least involved in the success or failure of cryptocurrency, you can directly in buy the tokens yourself. You can invest in, like say on the exchange, so you can do the trades there, longs and shorts. You can lend money to somewhere and then they will do whatever with it and then return you. There's services that do these. There's all multiple ways to get involved with cryptocurrency. 
the most popular way that's been spinning up, a lot of the wealthy people, they don't want to invest in cryptocurrency because they see risk. And many of them are risk averse. They're rich, but they're not stupid. They also see an uncertain crypto climate and they're not sure where crypto is going to go. And so they don't see it as a so-called predictable or stable asset. And what they want is something that's a little bit more predictable than your traditional cryptocurrency trading. They also, frankly, don't want to do garbage KYC. Who can blame them? And they don't want the risk that their money is taken by some shady developer who gets set off and insulted. And as I've said here on the podcast at CryptoTalkRadio.net, many of the rich people out there, they're not going to go to Telescan. So for them, they do want to invest money because investments are how you hedge off from impacts in economy, but they don't want to invest it in directly into crypto due to the risk factor. So enter these ETFs that come out, and the one I'm targeting specifically is BitQ, is its symbol. Bitwise Crypto Industry Innovators ETF. I want to simplify what they're doing. This ETF is not directly investing in cryptocurrency. That's kind of the misleading part that people don't fully understand. They don't invest in cryptocurrency. What they do is they invest in companies who are somehow associated with cryptocurrency, but you're ultimately investing in the companies. No different than any other company type investment that you might think of on the stock side. You're investing in the companies. The one connect is they are directly aligned with cryptocurrency in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So the way they do this is they separate tiers of companies and they targeted the bigger companies that have clear exposure to cryptocurrency as a measure of the success of the cryptocurrency investments. So we're talking companies that would have invested a lot of money because they believe confidently in their investments enough that they're, I don't want to say YOLOing in, but their, their, their position is solid. So there's two tiers. Tier one is what they refer to as a pure play innovator for cryptocurrency. These are the ones that have at least 80% in the holders, you know, a revenue coming from crypto-related business or assets coming from crypto. Think about that. We're talking businesses that they have backed their operational, financial operational in cryptocurrency to a significant degree. And there's quite a few of them you'd be surprised. So that's tier one. Tier two are more diverse companies where they have a small percentage of cryptocurrency on the books, but it's not their direct, you know, their main asset class. So you may not have known that PayPal is actually a crypto. They have crypto on the books as an investment. It's not significant portion of it, but they have a piece of it because they wanted to have a diverse portfolio. And the investment class for cryptocurrency, most companies that are smart will have at least something on the books, but they hedge their risk. They minimize it by saying it's usually only going to be this one. Now, you can imagine if there are more and more of these companies that invest in cryptocurrency as an asset class to a diverse portfolio, whether it's at the 80% or the 20%, you can imagine what happens if they decide to buy more and more and more when prices are low in prediction anticipation of a bull run, what will happen is two part. One, it may trigger that very same bull run 
that we expect in the 2024-ish range. Two, we expect that they're going to dump again. So let's assume that I'm correct. That means that we could very well repeat what we saw in 2021. But it's going to depend on which of the companies buy into what, number one. Number two, it's going to depend on what happens with the SEC. Number three, and arguably the most important, it'll depend on what's happening with Coinbase, XRP, and Binance.us, and so many others. And then also general sentiment around cryptocurrency, making sure that people recognize that it's safe, quote unquote, let's say buy it, let's say Bitcoin, and we simplify getting into it. We need simpler onboarding to it. We need an easier way to purchase it. It should not take, as I've said, KYC to buy a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. I'm sorry. So then they break down this uh, BitQ. They break down the sectors, specific sectors. So these are, let's say, categories of companies within this set of tiers. The vast majority, close to 40% of the companies that they invest in are actually companies that do mining. Well, mining, the service, is what makes blockchains work. It processes transactions, it emits tokens, it handles transfers, it handles burns, it handles reconciliations. Everything that makes things work comes from the mining. Now, when we say mining, this is, of course, proof of work. And proof of work has been under attack. For them to have 40% of the portfolio directly around proof of work tells us what? It tells us that chances are the vast majority of the tokens that they're these companies are focused on is going to be Bitcoin, right? Litecoin, maybe even Zcash. They're looking at certain ones that have an opportunity to profit greater over the long term. But more importantly, the proof of work tokens have never been perceived as securities. It's always been on the proof of stake side, which is why Ethereum is under attack, Solana is under attack, etc. Now the game changes. Is there something these companies know where they favor those those coins in this case that are proof of work or proof of work? Yeah, specifically as opposed to proof of stake because of something they know. Now you start thinking maybe they're onto something. Maybe I should pay closer attention to this. Roughly twenty five, a little bit over twenty five percent, dedicated to companies who do the on and off ramps for trading and for custody. So we're talking hardware wallets, we're talking software wallets, on and off ramps to transfer like Banksa, right? Simplex and other orgs that are designed to make it possible to hold and transact as in purchase, buy, sell, cryptocurrency to a fiat situation. Little bit over 25%. So you look at mining companies, which is proof of work. You look at trading and custody, organizations who are dealing on the fiat side. And remember, many of the banks have refused to get involved as an on and off ramp for cryptocurrency, which means they're missing out because this is a, another class of essentially free money. Because at the banks, think about this. Right now, what is the bank's purpose? They do a lot of things. They do bill pay, they do all this, but they force you to go online for the vast majority of it. Fiat cash is still king, so they still have to do that money orders, they sell stamps, they do notary, there's other services they do, home loans, sure. But imagine if they were to get on board with a service like this of you can walk into a local bank, 
you don't need to have an account. You just walk into the bank and you can purchase cryptocurrency. Just that it can only be Bitcoin or stablecoin, and it does not have to be a CDBC. It can be Bitcoin or whichever stablecoin, let's say USDC, and you can buy it straight over, just like we can buy bonds, just like we can buy rolls of coins, just like we can buy any other thing. Can you imagine the profit potential for them? It's basically free money because then companies would leap at the chance to invest in banking more than they do. Just shy of 15% on companies that deal with cryptocurrency infrastructure and hardware. So if it's close to 40% for mining companies, consider that mining companies, they have to have the hardware in order to do the mining. And companies that do specialty hardware for the mining, so this is ASIC machines primarily, but also NVIDIA, they created graphics cards dedicated for cryptocurrency mining. Now, NVIDIA is smart because they see there's an opportunity to get some of that money do, 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 for providing specialized hardware for cryptocurrency mining. Again, goes back to proof of work. 10% of treasury, 10% for companies that do treasury holdings. So what this is saying is if you're a company and you have significant amounts of cryptocurrency assets on your balance, on your books, what you're essentially doing is you are holding the line. You are preserving the bottom. You are holding up the value. You are, you're not selling, right? You're holding and that helps cryptocurrency keep from bottoming out. So what they're doing is they're saying, we want to invest in those companies as well. We want to make sure that those companies continue to provide this service because if you remember many tokens, they'll bottom out and that's because everybody dumped out of it. But in some cases, take even Pepe or some other ones, there's usually wealthy people sitting there holding the line and they're the ones that keep the thing from completely bottoming out despite sell pressure. This is rewarding those people by saying that we'll invest in those companies as well. The last one, which is another 10%, is for asset management. This one's the most exciting because this one is encouraging companies who provide specialty types of trading, funds, services, tools, things that benefit cryptocurrency investors and investments. So right now, there is no equivalent to a Morgan Stanley in the crypto world. But imagine if there were. Imagine if companies got on board with tools and services designed to help cryptocurrency investors get in, stay in, stay safe, make the right moves, somebody who can watch for those opportunities, somebody who can look for the, the dumps that are going to happen, somebody who knows and can say and do for you, time to short, time to long, whatever, and keep you safe from the FTXs of the world and et cetera. This is a, I think, a service that's possibly in demand, but we do not have the equivalent of this, at least not in the United States. So this is trying to invest in those companies as well. Put all together, what they're trying to do is they're trying to in, have an investment instrument that's available to you as long as you have whatever service, whatever brokerage service that you use, where you can look at BitQ and it's just an investment class. It works very similar to options trading. If you've ever been in options trading, it works very similar where you buy them usually in shares and it's like 100 for X. So if you are interested, I do encourage you to check out the prospectus, check out the site for these guys because I find it intriguing and it's it, there's an opportunity here 
If you'd like to get a direct site link, I'll share it to you. It's bitqetf.com, B-I-T-Q-E-T-F.com. And they have a very clean list of the prospectus, fact sheets, and everything else. And I do encourage you to take a look at it. And the reason I wanted to talk about this on today's episode, one thing I've said of cryptocurrency is we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to get better instead of letting the kids say the word jeet and say the word kek. But we also know that there's an opportunity to expand cryptocurrencies reach. And to do this, we need to entice more money from outside of the bubble. One key way that we can do this is to encourage those outside of the bubble services and try to simplify getting more people into cryptocurrency, but also rewarding and benefiting those companies who keep the thing running. Cause I think that's a gap that I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me until I dug deeper into it and realized that is a service that must maintain. We must be able to maintain the current levels. And the way we do this is to have companies and others that, you know, they put their money in, they leave it there. And is there an incentive to do it other than the possible chance that it goes on the run? And that's the key question. So I wanted to share it and hopefully it's of interest to somebody out there as a stronger alternative to people that just don't want to mess around with telescans. And don't want to mess around with wallets and don't want to mess around with anything, but they are interested in some sort of profit opportunity that's reasonably safer. Now, everything has risk. This one has strong risk because remember, the vast majority of their investments that they choose are around companies who have about 80% of their assets dealing with cryptocurrency. That means that when there's a crash, everything's going to crash along with because you're, it's not like pegged to the price of cryptocurrency it's tied to the value of that company. So if a company has 80% of its balance sheet tied up in cryptocurrencies that are going in the crapper, you know what that means. The other 20% is not a big deal, but that's only 20% of the total. So there's this basic that's always going to be there. But you have the vast majority is highly volatile because they're going to be impacted. Now, the, the flip of this, if those companies largely focus on stability of cryptocurrencies, as in they know when to stable out from Bitcoin, they know how to shift and they know how to buy and sell, they know how to predict laws and short opportunities, and they make the right moves, then it's possible that it can increase the balance sheet over time. It's just highly unlikely. So if you are going to invest in it, please be careful. Don't, you know, don't YOLO, don't invest money you can't afford to lose. Because the risk is still there. The only thing that this really does, separate from investing directly in cryptocurrency, is that investing directly in cryptocurrency, other than the Bitcoins of the world, has a high risk of having your money taken from you. Investing in this one, you are your money is not like FDIC insured or anything, but you are protected because of investment protections that already exist through the brokerage. So you have at least some layers of protection, but you can expose yourself ever somewhat to cryptocurrencies value as it pertains to real world companies solving real world problems. And these are companies that are keeping cryptocurrency upright as opposed to crashing. Long-term, I don't know what, what this means. It could be something huge or it could be a big nothing burger, but I suspect that more of these types of funds are going to show up. And I suspect that once we get a solid answer from the Gary Gensler's of the world and SEC, we're going to see a run on these types of funds as alternatives for people who want a diverse portfolio 
and don't want the exposure to crypto. And there's just something, I'd say, refreshing about not having to deal with a telescam, right? Not having to deal with rug pulls. A rug pull can affect these guys, but if they're doing, if all there's a Bitcoin, Bitcoin's not going to get rug pulled. Now they're, you know, their assets can be breached, right? The wallet can be breached or some hack or something else, ransomware attacks. They're still subject to the same rules, but you don't have to deal with shady devs. You don't have to deal with garbage. You don't have to deal with false promises. All you're dealing with is the companies and these are known companies. They're not going to be your small rinky dink stuff. These are well-known companies that they're not going anywhere. So at worst, you might see some dips as usual. And as long as it's one of a diverse portfolio member, I think it'll be okay. Make sure you're not going all in on anything. Even this, just make sure that you have diversity in the portfolio because you just can't know what's going to happen until it happens. And of course, by that point, it's just too darn late. That'll do it for today's Crypto Talk Radio episode. I want to thank you for listening today. We know you've got choices. CryptoTalkRadio.net, if you would, we would appreciate. At the very top, we have a contact form. Fill that out. Let us know what your thoughts are. If we're doing great or something you don't like, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you don't mind spreading the word, we would also appreciate that. If you think other people would benefit from the type of coverage that we do, we work hard to try to be different than every other type of podcaster or YouTuber that's out there. So hopefully we're on track with that. Finally, our YouTube channel, of course, is at Basic Cryptonomics. If you want to find us on there, those are dedicated, specific, exclusive types of episodes. So you'll hear things there that you won't hear on the podcast and vice versa. Check us out there for more quick and dirty coverages. Until next time, take care.